Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My Bible's opened up to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, going to look right down there near the end of Paul's final letter to Timothy. Going to notice some of these final salutations that he's sending to Timothy. Going to notice just a portion of a passage there in just a moment that will get us started in the Word of God. So get your Bibles cranking to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I appreciate very much your interest in spiritual things and the fact that you have made this day, the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, a priority on your calendar. And I hope and trust that the things that I'm going to lead our minds in a discussion of over the course of the next few minutes will be of great benefit to you. I know they were for me as I studied and prepared for this lesson. And I'd like to just get right to it. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, read with me, if you will, in verse 19. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 19, as Paul concludes the letter to Timothy, he says, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila. You know, there are some couples who are so famous that in the annals of history, their names are just joined together and are seemingly inseparable. I'm thinking of Adam and Eve, Romeo and Juliet, Bonnie and Clyde. These are what I would call one-word couples. You just kind of run it all together. Adam and Eve, Romeo and Juliet, Bonnie and Clyde, all just one big word. These are names that really, really you can't talk about one without talking about the other. They are one-word couples. Well, can I recommend a couple who ought to be added to that list of famous one-word couples? These folks right here in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Aquila and Priscilla. Because every time that this couple is mentioned in the pages of the New Testament, they're always together. They're always together. They are a package deal. They go hand in hand. They're like peanut butter and jelly. This is a husband and a wife who are forever linked and for good reason. Think about it. There are some couples who are remembered for all the wrong reasons. I'm thinking about Ahab and Jezebel in the Old Testament or Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. Couples who negatively influenced each other and ultimately they ended up crashing and burning spectacularly. But this couple in 2 Timothy 4, they are entirely different. Every time they are spoken of in Scripture, it is positive. Now that's certainly not to suggest that Aquila and Priscilla were somehow you know, perfect or that they had a perfect marriage. But it does seem, it does seem as if God chose to record some things about this couple as if to say, hey, pay attention to these folks. There's some things that you can learn from them because they serve as an example of a successful marriage as the Lord would have it. And this morning... What I'd like to do is I'd like to just look at this couple. I'd like for us to see what we can learn from Aquila and Priscilla. Last month we talked about a great Old Testament couple, Ruth and Boaz. And this morning as we continue our preaching theme for 2020 on marriage matters, I want to consider what the New Testament shows us about these two people. And what I intend to do, here's the game plan for today, is I intend to read all of the passages where Aquila and Priscilla are mentioned in the New Testament. Now, don't freak out because there's actually only six passages and we just read one of them just a moment ago. But I do want to work through those remaining five passages and then we'll double back to this other passage. I want to trace out the biblical record of this couple. I want to try to piece it all together and then I want to make 
one point. That's right. This will not be your standard three-point sermon or four-point sermon. I just want to make one single point, which means you're probably going to get to go to eat lunch a little bit earlier than you normally do today. But make no mistake about it. This one point, I believe, is the single most important ingredient for a successful marriage. Nothing else matters if this one is not present in the relationship. In fact, I placed this sermon right here kind of in the middle of the year, in the middle of this series, because I wanted everything that came before it and I want everything that comes after it to all center around this one issue, this core issue. Young people, young people especially, you need to pay attention this morning. Because I believe if you will get locked in, dialed in, just solid, rock solid on this one point, then it will be the deciding factor on who you date and ultimately who you marry. And for those of us who are already married, Aquila and Priscilla are going to provide for us a pretty good measuring stick for us to gauge and then maybe even to make some adjustments in our own marriages. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to learn from this New Testament couple? Let's begin that in Acts the 18th chapter because that is the first time that we are introduced to these two people. In Acts chapter 18, I'm reading here beginning in verse number 1. In Acts 18 and in verse 1, the Bible says, After this, Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and he worked, for they were tent makers by trade. Now, there's a certain measure of uncertainty about Aquila and Priscilla because there is not any official bio recorded for us that tells us everything that we want to know about these two people. There's no book of Aquila. There's no epistle of second Priscilla. No, there's not any of that. And so what we have is we have lots of questions about these two people and those are questions that for many of them we just don't have definitive answers for. Like, for example... Were they already Christians when Paul came to Corinth? And when they got to Corinth, had they already obeyed the gospel? Or did they meet Paul in Corinth for the first time? Paul taught them the gospel and then they became Christians. Answer? Don't know. Not entirely sure about that. Good arguments to be made on either side. But what we do know is that this decree of Claudius that's mentioned here, it had forced this couple to leave their home in Rome and now they are here in Corinth and they are partnering with the Apostle Paul. Now, my inclination is to try and talk about how impressive this is that this husband and this wife, they went to work together every day. Did you notice that in verse 3? It says that they both, that they were tent makers. I'll tell you this, I'm not sure that my wife would like going to work with me every day, going to the same job every day. She kind of likes it when I get out of the house for a little while and go to the office, but, but Aquila and Priscilla seem to make it work. But you know what I am really impressed with? is not just so much the fact that they're working together in their vocation, but they are working together in the kingdom. And this does seem to be the genesis of their partnership with Paul. 
We see them providing a place for Paul to stay as he's doing that preaching and teaching in the city of Corinth. They open up their home to him. In fact, when you drop down to verse 11, it says that Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half. That means it's possible that he lived with them for that entire time. That's kind of a long time. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would have been like to have an apostle in your home, to get to learn from Paul daily, to get to be encouraged by him and even to give encouragement to him, to get to labor right alongside him, not just in your secular vocation, not just in your work as tent makers, but in this work, in the work of the gospel. Man, that would be amazing. You know, I don't know everything about what Aquila and Priscilla did for Paul or everything that they did with Paul during that particular time. But I do know this, I do know that they must have been useful to him in his work of preaching because the very next time that we see them in Scripture, they are accompanying Paul on a boat to a new place. If you're still here in Acts chapter 18, just drop down in the text. Find verse 18. In Acts 18 verse 18, after this, after the year and a half in Corinth, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and he set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Sincrae he had to cut his hair for he was under a vow, verse 19 now, and they came to Ephesus and he left them there. And so Aquila and Priscilla, they pack all their stuff up and they travel with Paul to the city of Ephesus and he leaves them there while he goes and he completes the final stages of the second missionary journey. Well, will he just leave them there and they're just high and dry and they don't know what to do? No. Evidently, they go to work in Ephesus. In Acts chapter 18, drop down now to verse 24. In verse 24 of Acts chapter 18, now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. So Aquila and Priscilla, they meet this young man named Apollos who seemed to have lots of talent and lots of ability, but, but he has an incomplete knowledge of the gospel. In fact, what he is teaching here runs the risk of keeping people from actually becoming Christians because he's not teaching the baptism that Jesus commanded. Well, enter Aquila and Priscilla into the scene. Verse 26, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the Scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. What happened here? Well, what happened here was Aquila and Priscilla, they studied with Apollos. And they helped Apollos. And they built Apollos up so that he could then go and preach the full complete gospel and help lead others to Jesus. I do want to emphasize what the text says right there in verse 26. Did you notice it? It says that they took him aside and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. This was not just Aquila having a Bible study with Apollos. No, I am of the firm belief that both Aquila 
and Priscilla, they were involved in the teaching of this young man. Now, I do believe that Priscilla understood her role in that. I don't believe that she was somehow the one leading the study, that she initiated it, that somehow she was exercising authority over her husband. Absolutely not. I believe she was practicing that submission thing that we talked about a little bit earlier in the year in this series. But if you think that she just sat there quietly like a bump on a log, like some kind of a trophy wife, and just occasionally she maybe gave an affirming mm-hmm, mm-hmm, nod or a smile, and that's all that she did, and that she had no role at all in the development and the maturing and the mentoring and the encouragement of this young man, then I believe that is to deny what the text is clearly telling us in verse 26. Aquila and Priscilla, they took Apollos under their wing. And both of them together, they very gently, very carefully, very lovingly helped him to grow. What a blessing they would have been to Apollos. What a blessing they would have been to the other brethren there in Ephesus. I imagine that they were just helping in all kinds of areas in that Ephesian church. In fact, I know that they were. I don't have to speculate about that. I know that they were because the very next time that we read about them... He's in 1 Corinthians. Would you find 1 Corinthians now, chapter 16? In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul is writing from Ephesus and he is writing back to that Corinthian church that he helped to establish. And notice what he says to those folks. In 1 Corinthians 16, this is verse 19. In 1 Corinthians 16 and in verse 19, he says, The churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Priscilla together with the church in their house, they also send you hearty greetings in the Lord. And so some time has gone by now, maybe a little more than two years, and this couple has become so important to that church in Ephesus that the church is actually meeting in their house. We've already noted from Acts 18 the great hospitality that Aquila and Priscilla were known for. And here they are using their home once again for the well-being of the kingdom. And you know what? This isn't the last time that they do that. Would you find Romans now? In Romans chapter 16, this is a little while later, maybe about a year later, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. But in Romans chapter 16, Paul's writing to the church at Rome. And that's where Aquila and Priscilla were originally from, remember? Before the edict came down from Claudius and they had to leave Rome. This is where they were from. And now evidently they've they've been able to move back home. This is approximately a year after Paul has sent the Corinthian letter. And look at what he says in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, in Romans 16 and in verse 3. Paul says, hey, I know some people over there in that church at Rome. In Romans 16 and in verse 3, he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentile give thanks as well, greet also the church that is in their house. You know, there's a lot given in those few verses there, and probably what grabs our attention the very most is what's said there in verse 4. What does Paul mean when he says, they risk their necks for me? Is that maybe talking about that riot that broke out in Ephesus in Acts the 19th chapter? 
when Paul was causing a commotion in Ephesus, the tradesmiths there and the people who were making the little idols and the little souvenirs for, for Diana, the local goddess, they saw that the economy was going to be hurt by the preaching of the gospel, and so they throw this big riot, and they wanted Paul killed. Did maybe Aquila and Priscilla jump in there to save his life? He's maybe talking about some other kind of episode where there was great danger and they risked their neck for Paul once again. We really just don't know. We could speculate about that all day, but i got to tell you, what really grabs my attention from the passage in Corinthians and this passage in Romans is that we have Aquila and Priscilla and here they are deeply involved in the life of the local church wherever they went. These folks were valuable, working, contributing members of the church. Aquila and Priscilla were not pew potatoes. They were not spectators. No, they were participators. They were plugged in. They were involved. Why, to Aquila and Priscilla, being a part of the church was a whole lot more than just showing up on Sunday and saying, well... Okay, good to see everybody. We'll see you all in seven days. No, that's not what church was all about to them. You don't get called my fellow workers in Christ Jesus by the Apostle Paul by simply being a mediocre, nominal member in the congregation. No, these are the kinds of people who I think would have constituted the core of a congregation. These are the kinds of people who were immersed in the work that was going on in those places. In fact, I'm really curious to know more about what's said there in verse 4. When Paul says that all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks for this good, these good folks. Wow, that's amazing. All the churches of the Gentiles? That's especially shocking because Aquila and Priscilla are Jews. And they were held in high esteem by their Gentile brethren. What all of this is to say is that this great couple, they were an asset. They were an asset to the Lord's church, first in Corinth, then here in Ephesus, and now here in Rome, and at any other points in between that the Bible doesn't record for us. Which brings us back finally to our opening text in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul says to Timothy, Send my greetings to Aquila and Priscilla. This is roughly eight years later, while Paul is imprisoned in Rome. And it seems that Aquila and Priscilla, that they are now back in Ephesus. And they are assisting Timothy in the work that he's trying to do there. And so Paul, one final time, he wants them to know just how much he appreciates them and their work in the Lord. Now I wish I could tell you more about that. But as far as the Bible is concerned, this is all that we know of their story. Maybe what we really ought to take note of though is that once again Aquila and Priscilla they're together. And think about it. That would not have always been easy. It would not have always been easy for them to remain together and to be strong. In fact, if you attempted to kind of trace out all of these events on a map, start going through all those things again where they start out in Rome and then, of course, Claudius' edict expels them to Corinth. And then Paul takes them from Corinth to Ephesus. And then eventually they end up making their way back to Rome. Claudius dies and the edict lapses. and So now they get to go back to Rome. And then we come to Timothy and now here they are. They're back in Ephesus once again. What's that like? 
What's that like to live in no fewer than five different places, at, at least five places, there may have been more, but at least five places in a span of less than 15 years? You know, anybody who has ever moved before, if you've ever moved just once, folks will tell you moving is tough. It is. That can be a tough ordeal. And you know what? Moving is especially tough on a marriage. There's the stress of, of packing up and selling all your stuff, selling your house and finding a new house and getting moved in and setting up shop for your business. They had to take their work everywhere that they went. Uh, trying to get settled in and getting to know the neighbors and getting plugged into the local church. All of that can really take a toll on a marriage. But what I want you to see this morning is that through all of the moves and through all of the miles, through all the hills and all the valleys that they went through, the one constant in Aquila and Priscilla's marriage is that they served the Lord together. They did. In all their comings and in all their goings of this roller coaster life that they lived, what kept them grounded, what kept them connected was that they were helping each other to serve Jesus Christ. Aquila and Priscilla understood we're a team. We are one flesh, as it said all the way back in the Garden of Eden, as Jesus repeats in Matthew 19, and as Paul writes again in Ephesians chapter 5, being one flesh, being together, they had one purpose. They had a dedication to something that was bigger than just themselves. They understood that serving Jesus Christ, that, that's what's going to hold us together. No matter where we end up having to go, no matter what circumstances we end up facing, here's a husband and here's a wife who were committed to serving each other by serving Jesus together. And I'm saying to you this morning that I do believe that the key to a successful marriage is when two people are working side by side and they are united in purpose in the single greatest endeavor that we can ever be involved in, serving Jesus Christ here upon this earth. Young people, especially right now. Young people, can I ask you, what are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Are you looking for somebody who's, who's smart and who's funny or who's good looking or who's pretty or who has money or who's popular or some other kind of superficial criteria? I'm not saying that those things are necessarily wrong, but is that the main thing? Is that the primary criteria that you're using in looking for someone to date, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and ultimately one day a husband or a wife? Or are you looking for someone who will help you and someone that you yourself can help to serve the Lord. If that is not your primary criteria for finding a companion, then I'm going to tell you whatever relationship you have, it will be doomed to fail. You will know unhappiness and you will know misery. If not in this life, you certainly will in the next life. Married folks, let me say to you, is the primary objective of your marriage, is it, is it this? Is it the Aquila and Priscilla thing? Is it about how can I help my spouse? And how can my spouse help me to serve the Lord? How can we do that together? This coming Saturday, Lord willing, my wife and I, 
we will be celebrating our 11-year anniversary. And of course, there's lots of ways that we could celebrate that. There's a lot of gifts that Hallmark and the whole cottage industry for cards and gifts and that sort of thing. There's all kinds of gifts that we could give each other in celebrating all of that. We could give each other flowers or chocolates or fancy dinners or a weekend getaway to show each other just how much we love each other and there's certainly a place for all of that. But you know what? Marriage is about a whole lot more than just making each other happy. As Aquila and Priscilla are showing us here, marriage is a tool by which we serve and honor and glorify Jesus Christ together. That's what marriage is. And that is indeed the highest purpose in marriage. That this relationship, it can actually become the vehicle that will transport us from earth to heaven. Think about that. Have you thought about your marriage as a vehicle to serve Jesus all the way from earth to heaven? Which just begs the question right now. How are we serving the Lord together, married folks? How are we doing that as husbands and as wives? How are we laboring in the kingdom together? Somebody maybe says, well... Me and my spouse, we come to church together every week. Okay, that's good. That's a start. But it's just a start. What about other ways? Are we praying together? Are we reading our Bibles together? Is there maybe some of this Aquila and Priscilla stuff that we could be involved in together? Like, you know, opening up our home? Man, they were big on that, using their home to serve their brethren and to serve others. Could we maybe be teaching someone together? Certainly we want to teach our children. Is there maybe a neighbor we could be involved in teaching together? Could we study together with a new convert or someone who's just kind of needing some help in studying the Bible together? Could we go and visit together? Visit the elderly? Visit some shut-ins? I realize that the pandemic probably puts some limitations on all of that. But can we go and serve some people together in that way? Could we maybe provide support to someone, to a preacher? Somebody maybe says, well, Josh, the local church already supports the preachers. And I get that. But is there maybe some opportunities that just we as a married couple just have a special investment in and we help support someone in their work the way that Aquila and Priscilla supported Paul in his work? Can we volunteer somewhere locally together? Be involved in some kind of good work just here in the community? And we're going to do that as husband and wife together. You know, I often wonder when it said that Aquila and Priscilla, that they had a great reputation uh, and great example among the Gentiles, I often wonder in the Gentile world, where there was so much sexual immorality and adultery and divorce and those sorts of things were the norm, here was this couple who just kind of stood out amongst the rest. Here was this couple that was so devoted to each other because they were so devoted to Christ. I wonder, do you think that maybe that is what the Gentile folks admired so much about this couple? Aquila and Priscilla, they show us that when a husband and a wife, when they are determined to serve the Lord together, then everything else in life, it just kind of falls in place, doesn't it? You know... I don't know if Aquila and Priscilla had children together, but I know this. If they did, then together they tried to raise those children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'm confident of that. 
I don't know if Aquila and Priscilla, if they ever ran into financial troubles again, kind of packing up your business and going to all these different places. Maybe they did run into some difficulties and had to learn to, you know, make a dollar stretch really, really far. Maybe they ran into some difficult times. But I know this, if they did, then together they were thankful to God for what they had and they tried to encourage each other to be content. And I don't know if Aquila and Priscilla, if they ever had to move again. Maybe Ephesus was the final spot for them. Maybe they had to go somewhere else. But I know this. If they did move, then together they continued to serve Jesus Christ in whatever place they found themselves in. You see, all of life is sorted out. And it's all made easier. Notice I didn't say easy, but easier It is made easier when two people, when they make the vow to journey through life together, serving Jesus together. I must tell you that I am most fascinated by what the Scripture records for us about this great couple all the great things that they were involved in, all the ways in which they helped and benefited the kingdom of God. And I wish that I knew more. You know, these are, Quill and Priscilla, these are some of the first people that I want to meet when I get to heaven. I do. But you know what? As much as I admire Aquila and Priscilla, and maybe even during the course of a lesson like this, it kind of gets to sounding like they're just almost superheroes. Like, man, they're just like the, the tentpole for couples in the Bible. The fact of the matter is, they're not superheroes. They were just ordinary Christians. Ordinary Christians just like you and me, which means which means that you and I, we can do what they did. We can have the very best kind of marriage when each of us, each partner in the marriage, commits ourselves to serving Jesus and then we work together to help serve Him each day. Can we pray about that? Let's go to God in prayer. Our dear gracious God and our Father in heaven, Father, we thank you this morning for your servants, Aquila and Priscilla. We're thankful that you've recorded their deeds for us in the Bible. Father, our hearts long to meet them before your throne someday, but until then, we ask you to bless their example in our hearts. and We ask you to help us that we might be more like them in our marriages. Father, we do come confessing that far too many times we are selfish and we're individualistic in our thinking and that ends up hindering our ability to serve you together. We ask you to forgive us of that, Lord. Help us to see the beauty of two becoming one, unified in purpose, so that we might honor and glorify you. We ask, Lord, that you grant us opportunities to serve in your kingdom together so that we can draw closer to one another and we can draw closer to you. We thank you most of all for Jesus, through whom we pray at this time, and amen.